First off, let me just thank everybody that so faithfully serves every single week in CYM. I'm going to tell you, couldn't this, be, this could not be done without such faithful people. And so all of you guys, just a real good round of applause here. I really do appreciate it. You know, none of us could be doing this on our own, so we just need everybody to help like that. And by the way, awesome worship. Awesome worship. You guys did a great job. Kind of felt bad for camera because I think that we picked all three songs with the most drumming I think that you could possibly have. So all three songs were a lot of drumming between One Way and, and all those things. So you guys did a great job, though. It was really beautiful. And uh, I definitely feel like we really were able to connect with God. Wanted to remind something. I felt so bad because I didn't tell Amy in time. As something there is an announcement. Just unfortunately, our church isn't really doing much for it. But remember Thursday. Thursday is the National Day of Prayer tomorrow. And uh, our whole entire nation will be praying for all of our country's needs. Um, our military that are fighting. I mean, just two days ago, I mean, you guys, if you're paying attention to the news, we have um, soldiers going into Afghanistan, you know, being shot at. We need to pray for those soldiers that are fighting for this country, for the freedoms. Um, we need to pray for our government. We need to pray for our world. We need to pray for people to know Jesus. All those things are so important. You know, this is something that started years and years ago, and then when Ronald Reagan was president, he made sure that we did this every single year, that we would celebrate this. Usually we have done stuff in the past where we've had a service or something at our church. Um, It usually is the first Thursday of May. Unfortunately, it's May 1st, and I think it just kind of caught up with people, and I know we weren't going to do something for our church this year. Usually we do something as a youth ministry. Last year we did a a service here, and uh, this year we're not, but I just want your just to be reminded to make sure that you pray yourself for this because there's going to be um, services everywhere. And uh, just think about that, you know. Without prayer, we're not going to change anything. That's how things change. So we have to remember that. I'm going to continue on with my um, series of messages that I've been speaking on, the I am's of Jesus. And I told you before how um, God obviously calls himself the I am, the great I am. And uh, that's actually his title, his name. And I think that's pretty interesting because we told at the very beginning that I think that's quite interesting because we always say, I am hungry, I am tired, I am miserable. So actually, I think that we kind of use God's name almost every single time we complain or say anything. So I think we get his attention. Um, But then Jesus, to fulfill the prophecy, he again in the New Testament speaks of all the times that he says that he is the I am. And we've been kind of going through the different ones that he spoke. And I am tonight on when the one where he mentions that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Um, continue with our, stories, our story that we talked about last week. We talked about how Jesus spoke that he was the resurrection and the life, you know, that he was life. And it was the story about um, Lazarus being brought back to life. And I told you how it is that Jesus is so amazingly filled with the the life that's inside of him, that he is a resurrection, that he, truthfully, D.L. Moody, a, a great writer, said that he couldn't possibly attend a funeral because of the fact that because he is the resurrection, that when he would walk into a funeral service, because he is a life, it'd turn around into a celebration because those people would immediately come to life. And that's exactly what he offers each one of us. He offers us the chance to be resurrected, to have that opportunity. Well, not too long after this happens with Lazarus, where he's brought out of the grave after four days, 
there's a situation where Passover is coming up. And, um, you know, Jesus has just got done dealing with uh, Mary and Martha and Lazarus and brought them back to life and all these things. And, and there's this interesting time frame of a week, and there's a lot of interesting things that take place during that week. And we're going to kind of talk about that, and that's going to lead up to the next statement of Jesus. Um, basically what it is, it's the week that we celebrate Palm Sunday. You know, the, how we have the Palm Sunday, and then we call it the Passion Week. That week where Jesus is, is taken and he's beat and then he gets crucified for um, our sins. So this is not too long before this, that this is all going to take place. And what happens is Jesus makes his triumphant em- entry into Jerusalem, and he rides atop this colt, this donkey. And, uh, you know, the people that were there that had witnessed Jesus uh, resurrecting Lazarus were there. And they were the ones who were waving the palm branches and, and saying, Hosanna. You know, we do that on Palm Sunday here at the church. We, we say those things. And they were the ones who were doing all these things, welcoming Jesus in. And uh, all of them were really coming to this Passover feast that was going to take place. And at this Passover feast, Jesus predicts his own death. He predicts the fact of what's going to take place very soon. And then he goes on to mention that um, the prince of this world is going to be driven out soon. Now, God's word says that Satan is kind of controlling the things of this world. So he says the prince of this world, he's talking about Satan, is going to be driven out soon. Goes on to mention that um, he was there really to show humbleness, and he washes the disciples' feet, a pattern that we're all supposed to have, or none of us are supposed to be prideful. We're supposed to be humble in the things that we do. And uh, he goes and washes the disciples' feet, and then he, d- he predicts uh, the betrayal that G- Judas is going to do. Judas is going to betray him. He also talks about the fact that Peter, one of the disciples, is going to deny him. We all know that story, if you've heard it before, about the, the fact he says, I will never deny you, Jesus. And Jesus says to him, no, you will. Before the rooster crows three times, you will deny me. And then he also tries to explain to disciples and followers that all this had really been planned. None of this is a surprise. It's all been foretold, planned, prophesied, that this is all going to take place. And so we come to the next uh, statement. It's in John 14. He tells the disciples during the last dinner, he says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may be where I am. You know the place where I'm going. Well, right after that, we have Thomas who later on, he's, he's known as a doubter. He's a doubter. Some of us are doubters. Um, he's labeled later as a doubter. He actually says to him at that point, he says, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And at that, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. So he's making it clear right then. Basically, what he's saying is, this is my departure. I'm leaving. I'm leaving. And he was trying to encourage them. He was trying to let them know that they were on the right road. Even though he was going to die, that he was going to be crucified, that they were on the right road. It was no different, really, than what happened with John the Baptist. You know, John the Baptist sent word and said, are you the one? Are you the one? 
Are you the one who actually that we're doing all this for? And Jesus let him know and said, yes, you know, I am the one. I am the one that was supposed to come and do this. And that's exactly what he was trying to do with the disciples. These people were found. They laid down their lives. They gave up everything. And he was just trying to really explain to them that, yes, be encouraged because you are on the right road. This is the plan. He was trying to let them know to keep traveling this road because he's the way. And he was encouraging, but he was also, Jesus was amazing because he walked around and encouraged people, showed love and compassion, but he also spoke very powerfully and also divisively. He really divided people quite a bit. And matter of fact, I mean, most people in a lot of religions will say that Jesus came to bring peace. Well, we know his word says, I didn't come to bring peace. I come to bring mother against daughter, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, you know, father. This, he caused division. He wants there to be this sandpaper thing so that we would recognize that he's real. It's not about peace unless we understand what the true peace is. The true peace is Jesus Christ. When we don't know that, we don't have peace. So Jesus was telling that you really aren't going to ultimately get to heaven on this road unless you take this road, the right road. And he calls himself the way. The way, the only way, the truth, the life. He was making it clear right then and then, right there and then, in that place that he was, that he is not a road, but he's the road. No different from when we talked a couple weeks ago about the fact that we said about the shepherd. He was talking about, he said that he is the gate. He didn't say he was a gate. He said he's the gate. We need to understand Jesus spoke very, very clear. There was no confusion here. There was no confusion at all. He was stating that he is the truth, basically saying to the, that all the promises that he had made, all those things that were always prophesied about him in the past, in the Old Testament, that he was the fulfillment for every one of those things. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. So he's letting everybody know this. To those people who were listening, watching, he was trying to let them know that this is the plan to those who were already trying to seek him and follow him and try to do the things that he wanted, he was trying to say, you are on the right road. Anybody here that's truly following Jesus Christ, I want you to know you are on the right road. No matter what anybody tells you, you're on the right road tonight. He was also stating that if they and now we trust and follow him, that this path is going to lead us to life and not death. We talked about that last night, last week, about the fact that he is the resurrection, that he is the life. That we also can be um, resurrected. You know, we might have our, our bodies might physically die, but we will be resurrected. We're going to spring back to life if we understand who Jesus is and we believe and live that. So this is a man who was trying to encourage. We know that God said he is 100% God, 100% man. He was trying to explain to them that, yes, he is the God that they were looking for. But this is also a man who walked around and understood that his enemies were always watching him. They're paying attention to everything he said, everything he did. And uh, even though he knew that, even though he knew what was coming, he never watered down his messages. He spoke truth no matter what. He encouraged, but he spoke truth. And he was willing to take whatever come at him for speaking that truth. I really just want to ask you tonight, what, how about you? I want us to think personally of our own faith tonight. Don't, don't just constantly always think about someone else following after Jesus or, yeah, my friend does that or whatever. What do you say? There's times in the Bible the Bible says, 
who do you say the Son of Man is? Who do you say? You have to ask that question for yourself. Do you speak the truth? Do you actually tell the way when others around you are watching what you're saying? When they're waiting to attack you? Or do you just sink back and make yourself uh, lower in the seat so no one notices? You know, are you willing to stand up for the things that God says? Or just going to stay silent? Something to think about. How many of you who believe that the path that leads to God must be taken by the road Jesus, but instead stay silent when others are around? You believe it. You're here. You sit there and say, yes, you're worshiping. You're doing all these different things. But even though you believe with all your heart, when somebody's around you, you find it hard to say something. I think we all need to start getting ourselves figured out on this. Think about this. You know, in a world today that is filled with many different religions, society that wants us to believe that all of these religions are equal, I think it's really difficult for a lot of people to really understand and accept what we're saying. No, no, no. There's only one way. There's only one way that you can make it. It sounds so terrible, doesn't it? You're kidding me. There can't be another way? Well, do we believe it or do we don't believe it? That's what we have to keep thinking about ourselves. We have to kind of put it in the right perspective here. C.S. Lewis is quoted as saying he's either Lord, lunatic, or liar. So who do you say he is? Is he Lord? Is he a lunatic? Or was he an outright liar? To me, he's Lord. He's Lord to me. Peter in Acts 4.12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. There's no other path. He is the way, the truth, and the life. That means, harsh as it may seem, that you cannot get to heaven through Buddha, through Muhammad, through Confucius, Joseph Smith, or any other man. It cannot happen. It can't. You know what, people will sit there and tell you these things. Years ago, I remember the first time I was talking to somebody, there's, there's a, a person that runs a restaurant not too far from here, and they're a different religion. They call in the name of Allah. I remember the time they were going to help us do something, and what this person asked, they said, should we, should we just tell them, you know, well, you know, thank, thank Allah. You know, it's like, no. Why would we ever use the name of another God? We know that that's fake, that's false. To us, there's no, we, there's no plan. If we truly say we believe God's word, we know that he is the only way. Jesus is the only way. So why would we ever use another name of a God? You know, this is very divisive. You go walk in your classrooms, you go walk around your friends, and you start telling them that you believe that, it's going to anger some people. Maybe not in a Christian school. And again, maybe you will. Not everybody's who they say they are, no matter where they're at. But, you know, the thing is, Christians are narrow-minded for believing these things, people say. You're just narrow-minded. You know, you just didn't get to the point where you understand truth. And, you know, just haven't evolved enough to know that there are other paths. That's universalism. The idea that you can make it no matter what. It's against what God says. That's not what God's word says. Jesus already spoke, straight is the gate, narrow is the way that leads to eternal life, and few find it. Few. 
I think that's something we have to think about. Very few are going to find it. Don't you want to be one of the few? Man, I know I do. He said that he's the door, the gate to the sheepfold, and if a man seeks to come in any other way, then they are thieves and robbers. Because he is the gate and he is the shepherd. I already taught on that. He said, I am the gate. I am the shepherd. That means that those other religions can't get you close enough to God. They can't. You cannot be saved by getting, going through them. You also can never be saved and make it to heaven or to God by doing good or being good enough. Those things aren't going to work. That's religion. Good works will never work. It isn't. He says obedience is better than sacrifice. All your time that you give up, if you just do it because you think God's honoring you, he doesn't care. He says, be obedient to my word. Understand what I've done for you. Seek after me. That's what he cares about. Religion is never going to be enough to save your soul. Never. It's through Jesus and his salvation that we're going to be able to receive it. The cross and Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane shows that when Jesus prayed, he spoke the words, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Well, Jesus was saying at that point, if there's any other way, God, Father, if there's any other way that we can redeem mankind without me having to die, can it happen? That's what he was saying. Because at that point, he was 100% man. He was thinking, this is going to be painful. This is going to be a real trial. It's going to be horrible. And you know what? I think if there wasn't any other way, I think God being as loving and as kind and being that his, his only son, I think he probably would have come up with another way if there was any way he could have spared his only son. Obviously, there was no other way. He needed a perfect sacrifice. He needed a sacrifice for us, one perfect sacrifice to atone for every one of us and the evils that we're going to commit sins whether they be big or little in a recent missions conference attended by thousands of evangelical students only a third of the participants these are evangelical students these are people who are going to go into ministry i want you to understand only a third of the participants indicated that their belief that a person who does not hear the gospel is eternally eternally lost that means that they don't really believe the message of jesus christ they don't really think that jesus is the way these are people going into the ministries. Now, if this is what we have leading us, what hope do we have for the sheep? We're not going to make it. We're not going to make it. You know, it's sad because the other two-thirds, they're afraid to mention it to anybody else if they even believe it. How many of you watched America, uh, American Idol Gives Back this year? Did you notice this? Pay attention. Were they missing something? <laughs>
Hello? They didn't say Jesus. It starts out, the song starts out, my Jesus, my Savior. Not my shepherd, my Savior. My Jesus, my Savior. American Idol's afraid to use the name of Jesus. Worried they're going to offend some viewers. You know? Should we fault them? Should we care? How many of you guys have done the same thing? Leave out the name Jesus when it comes time because you're a little bit embarrassed. You're afraid that maybe executives or producers or your friends or your family or the people around you are going to notice that you're saying the name of Jesus. Because you know what? I believe it with all my heart what God's word says. You know, you can say God. You can say all these different terms for the God that you follow and no one will balk. You say the word Jesus and that's when the defenses and the claws come out. It's obvious. You start talking about Jesus and people are like, whatever, holy roller. You know, get it into your heads right now that if you're going to do anything for Christ and you are going to offend some people, it's going to happen. You have to offend. And truthfully, what's really sad about that is uh, Jesus did it. Jesus walked around and he offended people. I mean, we all have this idea that Jesus walked around just, you know, like in the movies and all, he walks around like this in a flowing white robe and he never did anything, you know, but, you know, walked around like this. And Jesus was very, uh, pointed it out, told people, you're a sinner. He called people out and said, you're a hypocrite, brood of vipers. He would say those things like that to people. He would talk around, tell them that they're fakes, they're phonies. And, uh, you know, the thing is, he pointed out, all those flaws of people. We're a little afraid to do it. He also pointed out, though, to those people at, like the woman at the well, he pointed out their sins. We also have a hard time with that, don't we? When we say that we have another fellow brother or sister in Christ, we don't want to ever point out their sins because we believe what the world told us that we're not supposed to judge. I'm going to explain something to you, what God's word says. Those people have never read it because what it says is we're not supposed to judge the unbelieving world. We're supposed to, though, judge those who are the believers. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Those who call on the name of Jesus, who say that they are and claim it, God says we can judge them. We judge them by their fruit, what kind of people they are. You know what? He does, Sure, not to go walk up to people and just be ignorant, but you know what? Have spiritual sense. You know, the thing is, he, he did it in love. I think the problem is maybe when we do it, sometimes it's just not done in love, not done in compassion. I think we just have to think about that. But we have to understand that Jesus was offensive, and that's why he was crucified. That's why he was punished for our sins. Because those people were offended that he was saying that he was the way, that he was the fulfillment of the prophecies. They couldn't take that. You're kidding me. You're telling me you are the one? Who do you think you are? I tell you, people are always going to think that about you guys. They're going to sit there and think, when you start talking about it, they're going to say, who do you think you are? Well, at that point, you're supposed to know who you are. If you're a true believer, then you say, I'm a, I'm a son or daughter of Christ. I get my fulfillment and my encouragement and my love and compassion, everything from Jesus. That's what I am. I want to make one big point to you. There is a big difference in claiming Jesus and proclaiming Jesus. Two big differences. To claim is to demand by or as virtue of a right. It's your right. 
It's my right. I can follow Jesus. It's what I claim. I claim it. And understand, that's very personal, isn't it? We each have our right. God's word says we have our own right. We can follow whoever we want. He doesn't force this on you. He wants you to follow, but he doesn't tell you you have to. He says every man has to make a decision for themselves who they're going to follow. Your choice. Personally, what's your choice? There's a big difference, though, from claim to proclaim. Because proclaim is to announce or declare in an open or ostentatious way. Very public way. When we proclaim it, we say it publicly. We say it loud. We make it be known. People are probably not going to be that offended if you talk about your claiming Jesus because it's like, that's your choice. I know that's okay for you, Nicole, but that's not necessarily right for me. But they are going to be offended if you walk up to them and you say, but you realize that you're not going to make it to heaven if you don't understand who Jesus is. That's when they're going to be offended, aren't they? When you proclaim it. We have to start proclaiming something here, people. Time is running out. You know, we have got to start doing something in public because it can't all be done in the secret. You know, there's a whole lot of secret Christians out there that sit there and say, you know, hey, I'm on your side. Hey, and I heard you talking and you know, I saw your Bible and stuff like that. You know, I believe like you. It's like, do you? Because I don't think you do because you're not saying nothing. Just shh, you know? I want you to understand that it's not enough to wear the T-shirts. It's not enough to wear the bracelets and the bumper stickers. That's not proclaiming nothing. That is just claiming it. That's no different than you having a bumper sticker saying what your political affiliation is or your school that you go to or the team that you like or whatever. It doesn't mean anything. Do you know how many people claim stuff and don't live it? doesn't matter if that's the only thing you're doing you think you're really doing something you're not doing anything start to proclaim it you're probably going to get some people truthfully i think my car's been beat because of what i have on my car (laughs) i think there's a couple things that have probably been beat on it um the thing is you know what a lot of people don't agree with what we like a lot of people don't like what we proclaim A lot of people are very offended that we could ever tell them what we think is right. But you have to be willing to talk to a person. You have to bring up the fact that the road that they're traveling on isn't going to get them anywhere. Truthfully, it is going to get them to God. But unfortunately, when it's going to get to them to God is, it's going to be judgment because we all have to stand before God at some point in our life. So we are going to get to God, but we're not going to understand that through Jesus we have forgiveness. And we're resurrected. We are going to be changed. You know, we've we've got to start doing something here. Jesus claimed to be the only hope of salvation and eternal life in the whole entire universe. He is the only plan. That's it. There's no other way. People do need to be aware that's the only way you're going to get there. So when people start talking about life and death, like I talked last week, we don't know when people don't want to talk about death. Why? Because of fear. Why is there so much fear? Because they're not on the right road. That's why. Jesus said he's the way, the truth, and the life. Only his road leads to forgiveness. He says in the very last half part of that scripture, he says, no one comes to the Father except through me. No one. 
Either you believe the God's word or you don't. I mean, most people are going to sit there and say, well, I don't believe in Jesus because I don't believe the God's word. I saw something the other day on the television, and it's actually uh, somebody talking about the fact that they didn't believe God's word because they said, if you look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you know, it doesn't make sense because there's so many different ways it's written. It's like, yeah, it's like if I, tonight here, if I asked Ronnie what happened tonight, you're going to have a whole different opinion probably, and you're going to explain things different than I see it because I'm in the back. You know what? You're up, you were up here. You know, somebody who's in the sound room is going to say it a little bit different. What exactly went on here tonight? We can give a step-by-step thing that went on. We're probably going to get a little bit different view. There's four different men that wrote Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. All those things that are in there are just different people's opinions and how they saw something. It's not that it's different. It all makes sense. There's nothing that is contradictory. It's just four different opinions. It's human. It's, it's people's opinions on what took place. No one comes to the Father except through me. I want to read to you out of the um, message translation, and it's Mark 8.38, and this is something that you can take and really personally just get in your own self and, and where you're at in schools and who you are at your age. Think about it this way. If any of you are embarrassed over me and the way I'm leading you when you get around your fickle and unfocused friends, know that you'll be an even greater embarrassment to the Son of Man when he arrives in all the splendor of God his father with an army of holy angels. So as much as you're embarrassed of Jesus Christ and talking about other things, don't expect him to sit there and say, oh, but look at here you come, here you come. It's not the way it's going to be. He's going to be embarrassed of you. He's not going to be excited. On American Idol, the very next night, what's really interesting is they sang the song right with the right lyrics. They started out the very next night on April 10th, and they started out with, my Jesus, my Savior. Probably not because they still really wanted to. It's actually said that the writer, Darlene Check, uh, called them. <laughs> she kind of let them know that they didn't have permission to change the words, the lyrics. They had no right to do that. And she wasn't really happy. I think probably because she was a believer, she was probably really disappointed that, you know what, Jesus was not proclaimed. That was probably really offensive to her. It's offensive to me. You know, when I see that, you know, who are you singing to? King, Lord. Who's king and who's Lord? If we don't mention Jesus, no one's going to know who we think is king and Lord. We have to understand his name. Who is it? Jesus. You know, I think she just wanted to see him proclaimed. She wasn't willing to make a whole big controversy over it and cause all these problems. She just wanted people to understand that that's the right road. That's the right road. Just go back and sing it the right way, the way I want you to sing it, and mention it, Jesus, and then I'll be fine. I think that's probably what she did. She probably looked at it that way because she believes that he's the right road. She believes that he's the only road that you can travel. I think you just have to ask yourself if you believe or not that Jesus is what he said he is. Do you really truly believe that he is the way, the truth, and the life? And do you believe that no one will come to the Father unless it's through him? You have to ask yourself, who is he to you? Is he Lord? Is he a lunatic? Or is he a liar? Because he's one of three. Which one is he? To me, I, I just don't see it. I can tell you after 15 years of following after him and spending 28 years of not, he proves to me every single day that he exists and he's real. And he answers prayer, and I see it change so many people's lives. If you don't know who he is, I want you to understand, don't expect your family and friends to know. Because if you're not willing to say it, don't expect them to get it. 
because it's your cho- it's your responsibility. Do you understand what he's saying? He's saying, you are my witnesses. You are my disciples. If you hear this, your job is not to just take it and think, you know what? I claim it. I claim it. You know what? I'm going to heaven. He says, not enough to claim it. Proclaim it. Tell people what you believe. Tell people that you are a follower of Christ, that Jesus is the answer. You know what? Take the bullet. Take the, the people yelling and screaming at you. Take those people saying that, you know, you're horrible, you're offensive. That's what we're supposed to do. That's the difference. That's what the difference is with the world. We just have to be willing to do it. That's what he wants of us. So I just want all of us, I'm going to tell you, I'm convicted. I can sit there and say I'm following after God. There's still times I don't proclaim it. There's still times, you know, when I get around a crowd of people, it's easier just to act like, you know what, you're just quiet. Don't say nothing. I think truthfully, every one of us could probably say that we're not doing enough. We're not proclaiming it loud enough. We're not telling those people that we truly love, that we say we love. If we really love them, we're going to want them to make it to heaven, don't you? You want them to make it. If we truly believe that he is the only path, why are we trying to not tell them? What's the plan? You can't live it, claim it, and do nothing with it. He says, feed yourself my word every day. Be in relationship with me. And love me so much that you can tell every other person that I'm the way, the truth, and the life. That's what it's about. So I want to pray with you. I really think that each one of us, if I'm truly, I'm going to pray for you that if you're convicted, I'm going to put, we're going to put some music on. If you're convicted, if you want to ask for forgiveness, because I think we need to do that from time to time. We need to ask God to forgive us for not doing enough. You know what? Walk out of here tonight with a fresh start. That God, tonight, I'm going to change this. I'm going to try to let my life reflect what you've done for me. And I'm going to start proclaiming it to people. I'm not just going to claim it. You know what? Ask God to forgive you. And uh, start to seek him. And if you don't know who he is, if you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, if you want to talk to any one of us, um, we're more than willing to talk to you. It's so simple. There's nothing to it. Admit that you need him. Confess that you're a sinner. You know, ask for forgiveness. And start putting him first. Repent. And he will turn your life around. So simple. Nothing to it. So let me pray for you. Lord, I just pray for each person that's here tonight, Lord, that they would truly get what you did for them so that they would understand the job that they're called to do, Lord, so that we can talk and to reach the people around us, Lord. I just pray that every one of us, Lord, would really feel your conviction, Lord, upon us that we would need to start proclaiming this to the people that we truly say we love and are cared about. I just pray, Father, that you would help us, Lord, to never stay silent again, that we would actually start to realize that we are an army. This is a battle and that we need to start fighting. I just pray, Father, that you would just help us, Lord, to um, don't be silent anymore. I just pray that we would actually stand up for the things that we love and that we believe in. And Lord, I just pray that each one of these people here tonight would truly love you most of all. I just pray that you would help them, Lord, to grow closer to you tonight. And I just pray, Father, that you would just help them, Lord, and uh, everything that they need to confess, Lord. I just pray that you would forgive them. Help them, Lord, and uh, help them, Lord, to just uh, speak to their family and friends and their uh, people at school. I just thank you, Father, for what you're going to do here. And we just ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.